Welcome to the Clovercrest Baptist Church podcast. For more information about Clovercrest Baptist Church, go to clovercrest.com.au. annual assembly yesterday where the Baptist churches uh, get together, there's around 70 or so, and we celebrate things that are happening in the movement, and here at Clover we have uh, eight delegates that represent on Clover's behalf, and it's a, a wonderful time to hear stories and to celebrate everything that God's been doing in Baptist churches and also uh, in Baptist care. But something quite relevant and personal for us here at Clover is that yesterday Michelle was uh, announced as a reverend, so very, uh, very good thing. Uh, Yep. Some of you are wondering what that actually means. Uh, and uh, basically, uh, what that means is that um, Michelle's finished a two-year uh, formation and call cycle where uh, she's essentially submitted and surrendered herself to the Baptist Churches of South Australia accreditation process. And you go through that process. There's about 16 competencies in a range of different uh, ministry areas. You have a supervisor, which was Terry Williams from Ingle Farm Baptist Church. There's a church support team. And then you have to also complete your uh, study. So she's um, just on the very tail end, I think one assignment maybe, or you're in the last little bit of that to finish her Master of uh, Divinity through uh, the Australian College of Ministries. So it's a culmination of formation and also call, and it's a a wonderful thing. So uh, we'll celebrate that with Michelle, uh, with Melinda Cousins, who will be coming in December for an ordination uh, service, so just so that you know. But that doesn't happen every day. I think the last pastor at Clovercrest that was accredited as a reverend while serving on staff was Mark Wilkinson. So we're going all the way back to the 1990s. So, you know, myself, I was reverend before coming and Mark Purser was the same. I think uh, Malcolm Wilson was a reverend, but that that's pretty much it, you know. So it's, um, yeah, it's a great, uh, a great celebration, affirmation of your leadership, Michelle. So, yeah, let's put our hands together uh, and celebrate, Michelle. We're in this Thessalonian series, it's been a wonderful time, six weeks sitting in this book and I trust that you've been both encouraged and challenged as we've been learning what Paul uh, has to say to this young church in Thessalonica and just how pertinent and relevant it is for us today uh, is just a wonderful thing and it's how God uh, uses the the living word and how it is um, still so applicable for us today. But do you know that we've been created for community and that we are better together? You know, I wonder if you can think of a time, even like push yourself to think recently of a time that you've received love, grace, generosity, assistance from another person or from another group of people. And how did that make you feel? How did you feel when someone reached out and they shared that love and that grace and that generosity with you? Or maybe think about a time uh, just recently where you've been that person to someone else and you've seen a need and you've seen maybe someone else uh, hurting or you've seen uh, an opportunity to bless someone and you've stepped in there and you've done it. See, it's just a beautiful thing how God has created us to be in community and we are indeed way better together. 
And that pushes back against the hyper-individualized culture and life that we live in. But it's a truth. It's a truth from God that we are better together. Uh, we've been experiencing this uh, over the last few weeks in the Stevens family. Michelle's been uh, recovering from some foot surgery. And, uh, you know, honestly, you know, I've been a pastor now for maybe 16, 17 years. And we've made a lot of meals for people over the journey. And we've seen a lot of opportunity to serve and bless others. But in these last three or four weeks, we've been on the receiving end. Uh, some of you, many uh, from the church, have reached out with love and care. And uh, Kids Pastor Anne, she put together a meal roster. We've been receiving meals from people. And I have been so humbled. I've been so humbled by the love and the generosity and the care of Clovie. And it just has reminded me what a beautiful community of faith that we have here, that we belong to, that we help shape and mold and move forward. And I've been again reminded how important it is that we've been created for community, how important it is to love and care and for us to be on the receiving end, receiving end of that has been quite humbling. And we've got one of our values here on the wall, creating community. And in there we have a line that says, doing life together. We've been created for community to do life together. And it is so important that we embrace that truth, that we embrace the truth that we have been created for community, even when we want to retreat into our individual lives or hide behind our screen or whatever it might be. We've been created for community. That's how God has designed us. And I think uh, for us, it's important that we remember that. And this truth that we've been created for community and to do faith and life with others is embedded deeply into Paul's letter to the Thessalonians. All throughout this letter, Paul has been uh, talking about the church as the family of God. He's been constantly um, flipping into and using relational metaphors and illustrations. His letter's relational. His care for this young church is real. He even sends Timothy to go and check in on them, to ask them questions about their faith. He gives them a framework to how to be a good Christian friend. I hope that you've been embracing that. And then he speaks to them about how they have been set apart to live a life that pleases God, to, to love others and to introduce people to this man, Jesus. See, Paul in many ways is like a spiritual dad to this young church. He's like a spiritual father. And this last uh, section of the letter that we sit in today, 1 Thessalonians 5, and we're gonna pick it up from verse 12. Uh, Paul uses the, the words brothers and sisters five times. As he's landing this letter, he uses brothers and sisters five times, just emphasizing his relational approach to this young church. Essentially what Paul is doing in this last part of the letter that we're gonna sit in today, he's talking about what true Christian community looks like, what it looks like to have a shared faith. It's okay that we have our own relationship with God, but we exist in a community of faith and our faith becomes richer as we live it out with others. And what Paul does is he outlines four key features here of what true Christian community actually looks like. And I've got this uh, stool here today. We're gonna use this stool as a bit of an illustration. I want you to keep this in mind about the four key features that Paul speaks about around true Christian community. Because in many ways, the features that he talks about are like these legs on the stool. And each of these legs, they need to be balanced. They need, they need to be able to work with the others so that this stool is effective. And it's actually the same when Paul comes to uh, talking about what true, authentic Christian community looks like. He's got these four features, but they need to work together. 
and they need to be in balance so that they can be effective. And I really believe this is a word in season for us as a church, but also as a culture right now, because as I look around our culture, over these last two years, I'm noticing that we have, uh, we're lacking tolerance in a lot of areas of life. We're lacking a lot of tolerance in our society, and I'm also noticing that our resilience is, seems like it's evaporating as well. And these two things, a lack of tolerance, if someone has a different view to me, then I just wipe them off. And this lack of resilience, really um, having the grit to work through uh, the situations that we find ourselves in. And hey, these last two years have been pretty rough. And we've walked together in those all together uh, as a church family. But I've been noticing this lack of tolerance in society and a lack of resilience. So as we come to this message today, I believe that Paul has a word in season for us as a culture and a people. And something where if we have ears to hear, we can learn how can we, how can we grow in our community? How can we grow in the strength of living God's uh, mission together and being his family together? I really believe it's a word in season uh, for us. So let's look at this first leg of the stool. This first leg of the stool, and we're in 1 Thessalonians 5, uh, picking out from verse 12 here. The first leg of the stool is a led community. Uh, Paul says this from verse 12. He says, Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. Live in peace with one another. So effective leadership is crucial to true Christian community. And what Paul is saying here is he's saying that a true Christian community will acknowledge its leaders and hold them in high regard. Those who God has appointed to care and admonish. Uh, these words care and admonish mean, mean to teach, correct, and caution. So another way of saying what this means for us here at Clovey is that there'll be a respect for those that God has put in leadership, those that are in the church council, those that are on the staff team, the pastoral team, those that are on our team Clovey who serve and, and, um, and lead in different and various ways. But what does a leader look like in the family of God and in the community of God? Well, a leader looks like someone who is a servant. Because when we look at the person of Jesus, we see a servant king. We see someone who gave up all of his rights and the right hand of the Father and came from heaven to earth to serve all of humanity. And this is what Jesus says about leadership from Mark 10. He says, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all for even the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. So true Christian community has effective leadership, but what does effective leadership look like? It looks like service. It looks like being a servant. And I actually believe this is something that if you've been part of Clovey for some time, I, I really believe this is something that we're growing in. And, and I really want to affirm the leadership here at Clovey. I want to thank uh, each of our church council members uh, who over the last few years have been doing a whole lot of proactive work around building the culture and the environment on how we lead here at Clovey. Uh, the, the church council have been doing an enormous amount of work you know, behind the scenes in the back room around leadership and governance and being effective in how we can actually please God in how we lead here as a church. That culminated in a constitution review last year and was really, uh, really significant as we laid the plan platform and the foundations for where God wants to lead us into the future. I'm also really grateful for our staff and ministry team. Uh, I think uh, over these last two years, in any environment in which you are a part of and in which you lead, 
I think the last two years have shown you if that environment is healthy or not. Because when something's put under pressure, when you're put under pressure, what's inside comes out, right? That's what happens. You know, you squeeze an orange, what comes out? Well, you're going to get orange juice. Whenever you're put under pressure, what's inside of you comes out. And as our staff and ministry team have been put under enormous pressure these last two years, it's been a really difficult time to lead. Honestly, I think it's probably been my most difficult couple of years uh, in my working life these last two years. It's been really difficult to lead in an environment where the foundations keep shifting and moving and changing. And we want to create a safe environment. We want to keep worshipping and keep being mission-focused. And it's been uh, tricky. But what I can say is that during this season, the staff team, I believe, has grown in unity. They've grown together. They've grown to be uh, shared in their mission and in their collaboration and their alignment And I hope that you've noticed that. And I want to affirm the the staff team. And also each one of you who serve. We have over 400 volunteers in the life of the church that serve in over 650 positions. It's incredible. It's huge how uh, you serve tirelessly, week in, week out, uh, often without being noticed, but continually serving. And I want to say thank you so much because it's so important that we uh, come together and we lead together in this way, because leaders are servants, and leadership is a crucial aspect and feature to true Christian community. So let me ask you a question. Do you hold the leaders of Clovey in high regard? The church council, the staff, the ministry team, those who you serve alongside in a volunteer capacity, do you hold the leaders in high regard? Why or why not? And is there a leadership role that God is asking you to step into so that you can develop and enrich the community here at Clovey? Have you considered that perhaps you stepping into a leadership role and serving in this way would enrich the community and bless the community? And it's actually a key feature for how we, uh, I guess, uh, work together for the kingdom of God. So the first leg of the stool here is leadership. The second is that we'd be a caring community. Verses 14 to 15 say, And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive. Encourage the disheartened. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. This is Paul's encouragement. Warn the idle and the disruptive. Encourage the disheartened. Help the weak and be patient with everyone. Oh, gee, why did he have to use an absolute? (laughs) Like, seriously. Why can't I just be patient with the people that are like me or the people that I agree with or the people that are my friends? He doesn't say that. He just throws out the absolute. Be patient with everyone. Wow. That's for all of us, I think, isn't it? See, the thing about creating a caring community, it's just not the leaders who do that. Actually, caring is an everyone activity. It's not just a job for the leaders, but for all of us. Care is an everyone activity. And we try to, in a church of our size here at Clover, we try and, and very intentionally set up strategies and ways to care for people. Uh, Peter Corney, who's a pastor uh, from Melbourne in the Anglican church, he says, as church gets bigger, it needs to become smaller. And if you've been to one of our meet and greets, you've heard that. And it's very, very important that particularly in a church our size, we look at how we, how we care for people. Uh, because we believe that caring for the one is so important. Jesus teaches us that. 
And it's very important that everyone knows that they are indeed cared for. And caring for people needs to be a relational pursuit. We believe that it's a relationship with God and with others that is the glue that holds the caring nature of the community together. So very, very important. And for us here at Clovey, that starts in life groups. We want you to be connected into a life group so that in smaller groups you can care for one another. Uh, we have a pastoral care team that does uh, some work around people who um, particularly are less mobile or shut in or uh, at an age where they're not able to get out and about as much. But primarily we see care in life groups and we encourage you to be part of a life group, be part of a serving team where you can actually be known and you can know other people. Really important way and part of caring for another person. And I believe this is a strength of ours as well here at Clovey, but it's something that we always have to keep working on. You know, in a previous iteration, the little tagline for Clovey was a people who care. You might remember that. And I think care is part of our DNA. It's part of who we are. But it's something that we have to keep working on, something that we can't just let slip or let kind of slide by. And it's not just for the leaders, it's for everyone. And I do wanna, again, just put out there, if there is something going on in your life and in your world, maybe you haven't been able to talk to someone, we are here for you. And we wanna make sure you get connected into the right people relationally so that you get um, the relationship and the help and the assistance that is needed at this time. Because having a caring community is a feature and a hallmark of what it looks like to participate in the kingdom of God and a really important aspect of that. And it might be that there's something going on in your world right now and uh, it might be that you wanna send an email through to us at care at clovercrest.com.au, completely confidential and we can walk with you in that. It might also be uh, that you might be just reassessing your situation around how you are known and how you know others and you might be just looking at that in your life as we finish this year and go into next year and it might be that you're not in a life group and you wanna look at that uh, and I encourage you to fill in a connect card so that we can follow you up and actually walk with you in and through that as well. See, there's a robustness to, to, to true Christian community, one where faith is worked out, being in deeper, accountable relationships. Paul talks about here, he says, warn, also encourage, and then show patience. And, and, and I guess it needs to be asked, are you in relationships in your life where people do warn you and you take that on board, where, where you are encouraged to step into more and you show patience with those that maybe are a little bit different to you, but you find unity in the body of Christ? because that's a feature of what it looks like to be in true Christian community. So that's the second leg. The third leg is a worshiping community. Paul goes on to say this. He says, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Don't quench the spirit. Don't treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good and reject every kind of evil. I love what Paul's saying here, rejoicing always, praying continually, thanking constantly, then ask for more of the Spirit. This is what we've been doing today as we worship God and wanna experience more of Him. We wanna position ourselves before God where we're rejoicing, where we're thanking, where we're praising Him and we're asking God for more of Him and then saying, Lord, we wanna listen to You. We wanna have an ear to what You say and Lord, we wanna make sure if there's any sort of evil any sort of sin in our lives or in the church, please take that away. We don't want that to be part of who we are. I don't know about you, but when I think about what Paul is saying here, this is the type of Christian community that I wanna be a part of. I don't know about you, 
I don't want to go through the motions. I don't want to tick the boxes. I don't want to keep shrinking as the church in the West is doing. I want to put my foot in the door and say, Lord, let it be different here. Let us have a heart for you, an intimacy for you. Let us come to our worship gathering so expecting that you are going to move in a way, Lord, that we are open and want to say yes to and celebrate with you in such a way that, that we're released into all that you have for us during the week. That's the sort of vibrant Christian community that I want to be a part of. And Paul is saying here, he's saying rejoice always, pray continually, thank constantly. Jerry uh, Trousdale, in his book, Kingdom Unleashed, he argues that one of the reasons that the church in the West is declining and this is a reality, you have to understand this, a lot of the global statistics for um, Christianity are getting skewed because the church in the majority world, Africa, India, China, South America, is growing rapidly. And the church in the West, so the UK, uh, America, US, Canada, Australia, is going down. So the global statistics are skewed because the rapid growth in the, West, in the, in the um, majority world and the... the I guess, the atrophy or the decline in the Western world. And he says one of the reasons that he believes that the church in the West is declining is because the church is praying small prayers to an almighty God. How's that? The church is praying small prayers to an almighty God. And this guy, you should look him up, Jerry Trousdale. He's been working in Africa for the last 50 years, uh, training leaders, planning churches, thousands and thousands of churches, that have reached hundreds of thousands of people with the gospel. And he says this about how they train people for these movements. He says, we don't see prayer as a program. We see prayer as a lifestyle. We begin by prayer. They, the people that they're training and working with, see us praying, we pray together, and they know that when we come together, we pray. And everything starts with prayer. Now, this is not new information, is it? This is not something that is like, oh, wow, this is new. No, because the church in the West, it doesn't have an information problem, has access to every bit of information needed. It has a transformation problem because we aren't positioning ourselves and coming to God where we are rejoicing always, praying continually and thanking constantly. We're not maybe putting ourselves before God and saying, God, you know, what is that prophetic word by faith you have for us as a church? How can we wait on you? How can we reject evil? We don't maybe always move into that. It's a good challenge for us because a worshiping community is a key feature of what it means to be in true Christian community. I love what Pastor Luke is bringing to the worship department. He's got this phrase, wholehearted Worshippers. I love it. Wholehearted worshippers. And that's a challenge for all of us. For all of us to be a people who are wholehearted in our worship for God. To be a people who embrace that first value of experiencing God, that we would be Bible based, that we would be all in on prayer and worship and we'd be faith filled and spirit led. My ask of you is that you would prepare for our times together. And you might already do, and that's great. Prepare your heart, prepare your mind. Be expectant that God is a God who is living and active and dynamic and has a word for you every time we gather. And during the week as well, 
when we scatter off into the different parts of our lives to live the things that we talk about when we gather together. Know that God wants to grow us in our worship of him. And the fourth leg is a holy community. This is what Paul says as he closes the letter to the Thessalonians. He says, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body, all of you, be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Brothers and sisters, pray for us. Greet all God's people with a holy kiss. And I charge you before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers and sisters. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Now, I'm not sure about the holy kiss in COVID times. You're, everyone's wearing a mask, so I'm sure you can work that out. But Paul brings us back to one of the central themes for this letter. He brings us back to holiness. And two weeks ago, I preached on holiness, and holiness is to be set apart, to be unique. And what Paul is saying here is he's saying he asked God to sanctify the Thessalonians. And another word for sanctify is holy, to become more holy. So what he's saying is I want you to become more like Jesus so that you're blameless. And this word blameless means innocent or righteous or, or faultless. He's saying to this young church, I want you to be holy and grow in your holiness so that you're blameless, you're innocent, um, you're, you're faultless when Jesus comes again. So he's asking them to lift their eyes. They might feel like they're in the pressure cooker situation of Thessalonica trying to launch this new church amongst all this persecution and hostility. And he's saying, grow in your holiness and know that it's God that will make you faultless so that you can lift your eyes and know that he's coming again. Keep going, is what he's saying. Keep going. Don't give up on pursuing holiness. And true Christian community pursues holy living. It's what it does. True Christian community pursues holy living. And Paul says in verse 24 that it's God who's going to do it. We don't have to worry about this. It's God who will do it. He's faithful. So pursue him and live a holy life. So this is what we have for our four legs of the stool. Paul encourages this young church around leadership. He encourages them around growing in their care. Uh, he, he desires for them to be a worshipping community and a community that pursues holiness. These are the four features of true Christian community that Paul is impressing upon this young church. And he's basically saying, you know, when you come up against the challenges of life, and there will be many when you choose to follow Jesus, how do we work our way through these challenges? Well, we, we look to the leaders, effective leadership. We make sure that we're creating a community of care. We keep our focus on Jesus and we worship him and we pursue holy living in our lives. And I think this is a word of, in season for us. I think this is a word for us where we find ourselves at the moment. Particularly 
in a situation where over the next six months, I think things could get a little bit lumpy in South Australia. We're in a very interesting situation where, I don't know, is there any other cities around the place that are welcoming COVID? But the damn wall of the, the borders will break and COVID will enter our state. And we're gonna have to work out how we're gonna handle ourselves. We're gonna have to work out how do we develop unity in the life of the church? How do we work out that church is a family and church is for everyone? We're gonna have to wrestle with this. We're gonna have to to wrestle with the differences that we have with people. You would have already had to wrestle with the differences with people. But I'm worried that our tolerance is waning and our resilience is low. It, It honestly worries me. I'm hearing some things and seeing some things even in the church that worries me. But I want to, I want to say for us here at Clovey, I want us to be known for what we're for. And I want us to know and, and be challenged with the thought that when life potentially will get a little bit difficult, what, how are we going to step towards each other as sisters and brothers and not step apart? How will we grow in unity even if we have a difference of opinion with someone around vaccination status or whatever it might be, we need to step towards each other in unity and love and not with division. And how do we do that? Well, I think Paul gives us the framework, the four legs of this stool, leadership, care, worship, and holiness. If we pursue these things, We'll find a way. We will. We'll find a way. And if we pursue these things, we show the wider community what the church is for. Don't you think the church has had a bad rap for long enough about all the things we're against that we've done wrong? What about in this season if we move forward with what we're known for? And even if we have disagreements with our fellow sisters and brothers, we work together for unity and we step towards each other in love. God will continue to sanctify us, make us holy, so that we're blameless, we're faultless, we're innocent on the coming of the Lord Jesus. You know, I've found it really interesting across my life, there's a number of different things that people disagree with all the time. You know, this is part of even sometimes what it means to be Baptist, believe it or not, the autonomy of the local church, congregationally governed, We are quite different to other Baptist churches, but we fit within the family of the Baptist churches because we strive for unity in our our diversity. It's kind of like what it means to be Baptist. And over these next six months, you're gonna come up against things personally, and we're gonna come up against things as a church that might confront us. We might be feeling like we're lacking in a bit of tolerance or resilience, but Paul gives us the framework, leadership, care, worship, and holiness. They're the four legs of the stool that in balance are effective. And I think we need to hear this, all of us, as we consider what it means to be the people of God who love God, who love others, and to share His message of hope in our community. Will you stand with me? Let's pray together. Loving.